Well, Christ Church, it is great to be with you today. Uh, if you're watching on Saturday, I want to wish you a happy 4th of July. Thanks for spending part of your holiday with us. If you're watching on Sunday, I do want to encourage you again to join us for drive through Communion. I was a part of the last one uh, last month, and I was actually surprised at just how meaningful it was. So whether that is your scooter, your car, your bike, walk up, uh, we would love to see you at all of our campuses. Uh, speaking of getting in your car and driving somewhere, last week I had to get my emissions test done on my car. So I drove it up to Waukegan, the little testing station there. And uh, there was, said, said that there was a nine-minute wait. So I pulled up. There are three lines. If you've done this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you have a very important decision to make at that moment. You have to choose a line. Uh, it's not like the post office where you can stay there and then whichever line opens up, you know, it funnels into one line and then you get to go out. You have to make a choice. And it's not like uh, the grocery store where the choice of which line you go in, the factor is very important based on the number of items in the cart. If you've got someone who's, you know, holding up coupons, you're like, okay, well, forget about that. That's going to take forever. There's a very strategic decision that goes into which line you choose at the grocery store. At the emissions test, uh, you are required to make a, cho a choice, and you've got to commit to it, and you can't jump from one or the other, and you really largely are, are kind of have to go on just a hunch of what's going to be right. So the car in front of me made a little bit of a rookie mistake by just choosing the, the nearest line, when in fact I could clearly see that the, the line further, while it looked to be the same, there were, there were significant gaps between the cars. So when I saw that car turn, I went to the far lane, and now I've made my choice. But of course, my work isn't done because now I have that car that was right in front of me to judge my decision-making uh, based on how they're going to finish their time. And sure enough, as I'm about to go in for my test, I look back, and that car is still too deep in the first line. Now, uh, I don't want you to worry. You know, I didn't jump out of my car and uh, call them a loser. Not this time. I'm learning. Uh, but I did think things. And I, I actually think, I'm not proud of this, but I think I might have said out loud, ha ha, you sucker, uh, before I, I drove in. Again, I'm not proud of that. I'm just telling you this is the kind of person that I am uh, as I'm going about my day. Now, why is this? Why do I care so much about this? Well, part of it has to do with my competitive nature, and it also has to do with the fact that we all hate waiting. Waiting for anything at all. Why do we hate waiting? Well, uh, we're going to be talking about that a little bit more, but waiting is very hard. And waiting for an emissions test is one thing, but waiting for God is something else entirely. Our passage today has as its center this concept of waiting, waiting for God. We're going to take a look at that, Psalm 130. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. You can read with me here, Psalm 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. So I'm going to stop right there and just Look at that a little bit. This psalm begins with lament, as many psalms do. The psalmist is in a state of needing help. Out of the depths, he is crying out. 
So if anybody has ever wondered if any, someone in the Bible can relate to your life and your struggles of suffering, uh, here's your answer. Out of the depths, it says, from a dark place, this is a person who needs God's attention. Verse three, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. Now, what this tells us is that waiting begins with a recognition of your own sin and brokenness before God. The psalmist provides this perspective. He's saying, you know, the reality is while I need you in this darkness, I recognize that you owe me nothing. And my greatest deeds cannot overcome my shortcomings. And if if God kept track of all of the ways that we fall short, none of us could hold our heads high. But with God, there is forgiveness. So this is what the gospel is all about. If, if, you, if God took careful track of all of the ways that we uh, fall, fell short, no one could stand, but with the Lord, there is forgiveness. And we have this concept, even in the Old Testament, of the fact that we are not saved by our deeds, but because of God's great love. And then we get to what I think is the heart of the passage in verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Sorry, more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Out of a sense of his own sinfulness before God, the psalmist says, I wait. Moreover, my whole being waits or my soul waits for the Lord. And in his word, I put my hope. And then the repetition comes. It's this Hebrew device to demonstrate emphasis. He repeats in verse 6, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. And then he ends the psalm by saying to Israel, Put your hope in the Lord. Even though he recognizes that his trials are overwhelming him, He's in the depths, yet he's, he says that Israel should put its hope in God and that redemption will ultimately come. So what are we to learn from this short psalm? Well, I've got three points for you today. Point number one is this. When we suffer, we can bring our pain to God. So remember that the message of the Bible is that life is hard and God is good. He's the one to whom you should bring your pain, your anger, your frustration, your, your, your sadness. He's the one that made us and knows us and that when life is hard, even though we might be tempted to run away from him, he is the one who wants to hear about our difficulties, about our pain, about our struggle, about our suffering. That's point number one. My second point builds on this, and it's that when we suffer, our hope should come from the word of God and not from another word. Verse five says, in his word, I put my hope. As I look back on uh, the past three and a half months, as I look back at sort of the earliest time during the, the lockdown, what I call early COVID, so kind of late March, early April, 
I know that I spent a lot of time turning to other words and to other places than God's word. I watched the evening news, uh, I don't know, more than I've ever watched the evening news. It was like it was like 1984 in our household watching the 5.30 evening news. I read the Chicago Tribune online several times a day. And I didn't necessarily recognize it at the time, but I was putting my hope in many other words because we were all looking for good news. What's the stock market doing? What's unemployment looking like? Is the number of infections going up or down? How is the virus transmitted? How long will schools be closed? How will this affect my constitutional right to watch sports? What do you mean they canceled March Madness? That's illegal. You can't do that, right? That's illegal. There are a lot of other words in the world. And as we've found during this crisis, this health crisis, we've found these words changing a lot. So at first it was masks. You don't need masks. And now it is we have got to have masks. This drug looks like it could be effective. Ah, I'm not sure if this drug is effective. When summer comes, virus is really going to go down. Well, summer has come. The virus has actually uh, skyrocketed in some places. If you have the antibodies, you're immune. Well, if you have the antibodies, you may not be immune, and you really don't know if that test is trustworthy or not. I got wrapped up in it, and there's nothing wrong with staying up in the news. But when your hope is in that word and not in the word of God, you're putting your hope in the wrong place. Let me illustrate it another way. Last weekend, uh, we, my family and I, along with some good friends who were willing to come and help us out, we built a retaining wall in the backyard. This, the old retaining wall, wooden wall had fallen down. Our backyard slopes and water comes down. And anyway, we needed a new retaining wall and we decided to do a brick wall instead. So uh, there's about 182 bricks that we hauled back there and along with a couple tons of gravel. Um, and in order to put the retaining wall in correctly, the first row of bricks is the most important row. And each and every brick has to be level. It has to be level on, on both sides and it has to be level to the, the brick next to it. And so my friend, Steve, shout out to Steve, uh, let me borrow this cute little level. I didn't know that they made levels. They actually make smaller ones. But uh, he lent us this. And so with every single brick that was put in, put it down here. Is it level this way, that way? Put it down here. Is it level this way, that way? Is it, is it level to the brick next to it? And there were times when I wanted to put the brick in and I was like, yeah, that looks all right. I, let's just get this thing over with. But I can tell you that had I just sort of gone with the, yeah, this looks fine, uh, that you know, almost certainly times when I did set it in there and then I would look at it, yeah, that's probably pretty good, right? And I'd look at it and go, no, no it's, 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 it's wrong. And so you got to put some sand in here. You got to get the rubber mallet and smash it in that way. Uh, because had we done any brick that wasn't level, the whole thing, and you're talking, you know, this 40-foot wall that's, you know, about, about this tall, uh, it's not stable now. It could fall over. And uh, I am prone to the, that's probably fine line of thinking in, uh, in other places in my life. Yeah, it's, it's probably okay. It's probably fine. If I'm hoping in what I think is fine, uh, it's not going to go well. If I'm hoping in uh, God's word, it's going to go well. Our lives will be, will be fine. 
they will be better than fine. They will be lived out in the way that he wants us to live them out. So we have to trust in the word of God and not in just what makes sense to us. That's point number two. So point one is we can come to God with our pain. And two is that we should put our hope in his word and not in other words. And my final point, which I'll spend more time on, is this. When we suffer, we must cultivate a lifestyle of waiting for God more than we wait for anything else. We wait all the time, uh, but technology has drastically lowered our threshold for what we think is reasonable in relation to waiting. Think about 100 years ago, if you wanted to make a meal and uh, imagine, let's say, that that meal involved meat of any kind. So the process there involves obtaining an animal somehow, killing that animal, uh, preparing that animal so that you can cook the meat. And now you've got to make a fire. So you've got to go cut down a tree or if there's been a tree, and make sure the wood is split. And then you've got to build a fire that's got to be the right amount of hot, not too hot. I, I just, I was born in the right era, I think. I don't know how I would have survived, how that would have gone. Uh, because now, if you're hungry, there are so many things. You can get a full meal with meat, whatever you want, microwave dinner, pop it in, two minutes, you've got a complete meal there. Or even easier, protein bar. I'm hungry, boom, open it up, there it is. Uh, we are so used to things coming quickly to us today. Not to mention, of course, our smartphones that have changed us forever in a hundred ways, um, improved our lives in many ways, but certainly in terms of how we expect things to come quickly. Uh, we all have that friend who, if we don't reply to the text fast enough, then the next text comes in with the exclamation point or the question mark. Uh, we have been altered. I'm not saying I want to go back by any means. Uh, what I'm saying is that our expectations have been changed forever for what waiting is about. Our brains have been rewired to expect immediate results. So we don't, since we don't have to wait for much anymore, when we do, we're annoyed. And the heart of our passage is the example of the psalmist who says, I wait for the Lord and I hope in his word. When we're in the depths, we want the same kind of results as a microwaved meal. We want freedom. We want answers. We want Sicknesses healed, financial troubles gone, favorite sports teams successful. And we cry out to God out of our misery. And what is the response? Well, sometimes the response is, wait. Just wait. And we think there may be something wrong with the connection. Tap on the microphone. Is this thing working? Hello? I need answers quickly. Sometimes relief comes quickly, but sometimes the answer is wait. So what I want to suggest to you is that the world would tell us to cultivate a lifestyle of hurry and urgency. And I believe that God would have us cultivate a lifestyle of waiting and patience and trust in God and in his word. So what does that look like? Well, I think first and foremost it looks like remembering that when we're in the depths and the answer doesn't come quickly, there should be a trigger that says, oh yes, that thing that I need so much, 
I actually need God more. I think the word more in the passage is a really important one. And it's repeated, more than a watchman waits for the morning, I wait for you, God. He's reminding himself, preaching to himself, you think you need this, and maybe you do, but what you need more than that is the God who will provide for all of your needs and more. It's the concept that we find in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, you know, consider the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. Yeah, you, you run after these things, you need these things, and, and God knows that. God knows exactly what you need. But instead of seeking after those things, Jesus says, seek after his kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, seek after God himself. The stuff that you need, that will get added to you as well. But it's his kingdom and his righteousness and his glory. If you seek that first, then everything is in the right order. You get God and then you get the stuff that you need that God will provide. And waiting is a big part of this. Waiting helps us to get realigned, to be reminded that we, we, we need, we think we need fill in the blank, but we need God. And then God, God provides for all of our needs too. So we have to get to that place where we trust God so much that we're okay when life doesn't move at the speed that we're used to. Uh, waiting for God shouldn't be like waiting for the person in front of you at the, at the checkout line at the grocery store. Sometimes life dictates that we wait. And, and while we wait, we hope in his word. And we're not, we're not annoyed and impatient, but we're trusting, we're confident that our God is listening and active and moving on our behalf. And some of you are saying, look, I've tried that and I'm tired of it because waiting is really, really hard. One of my all-time favorite quotes uh, is from G.K. Chesterton who says, um, I want to get it right. It says that Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Waiting for God is difficult, and sometimes it makes us want to quit. I heard a quote from a pastor this week who said, you know, believing in God isn't the hard part. It's actually waiting for God that's the hard part. So it's a good sign, I think, when you find yourself bumping up against this, uh, when waiting for God gets hard. If you think about it, a lot of the spiritual disciplines um, have to do with waiting. So when we fast, we're waiting to eat. We're saying, more than this food, oh God, I need you. When we pray, we're stopping our routines. We're waiting while we both talk to and listen to God. When we practice solitude and silence, we're waiting to speak at all. We're waiting to uh, be in communion with others while we are in God's presence. Even when we practice giving, we're giving of our first fruits, and sometimes we're waiting to see, God, I don't know how you're going to make up that deficit, but we're trusting that you will. Something important is growing inside of us when we wait for God. I think about the earliest disciples uh, right after Jesus is resurrected and he ascends to heaven. And he says this recorded in the book of Acts, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, which is the Holy Spirit. So think about it. They, they've just experienced incredible miracles. 
Uh, all of their you know, the terrible things have happened. Jesus is gone. Now he is re- resurrected and, and it's all coming. It's, it's, it's great. And now Jesus says, Look, just wait, wait. And now he's gone. And so their problem isn't believing. They believe their problem now is waiting. And you can imagine that some of them might've been like, really? We, we're going to wait? Come on, let's take this act on the road. Let's, let's do some crusades. We got some, let's, 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 let's do some stuff here. Maybe we didn't hear him right, you know? And instead, it says they waited, and they listened, they prayed, and it says that they joined together constantly in prayer, in fact. And we know what happened next, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes, and the church is born. So why do we wait then? Why has God ordered the universe such that he wants us to wait for him and to hope in his word. Well, the psalmist actually answers that question. In verse 7, he tells Israel to put their hope in God. Why? He says, for, here's why you should put your hope in God. For, with the Lord is unfailing love. And a lot of the translations struggle to really capture it. But uh, the best translation I read this week was in a commentary that says, For Yahweh possesses the quality of loyal love. In other words, you should wait on God because he will not let you down. He will come through. It may not look like what you hoped it would. And it may take longer than you wanted it to take. But he is worthy of your hope. He's he's got it. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson tells a story about a job that he had for a year working in New York City as a night watchman in a building there. He worked from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. for a year. And he talks about all these interesting people that would come in and out and and talk to him. He said he had no way of knowing how many of the stories he heard were actually true during that year. But he said uh, it was not a stressful job for him. He said he didn't have to worry about anything. And he he explains why that is. He says this. The people who employed me thought it was worth several dollars an hour for me to wait through the night and watch for the morning. But I never did anything. Never constructed anything. Never made anything happen. I waited and watched. I hoped. If I had not known that there were others in charge of the building... I might not have been content to just be a watchman and collect my pay. If I were not confident that the building had an owner who cared about it, if I did not know that there was a building engineer who kept it in good order and repair, if I did not know that there were hundreds of people in the building who were going about their work every day quite capably, if I had not known those things, I might not have been so relaxed in making idle gossip with colorful characters who wandered through. Nor would the psalmist have been content to be a watchman if he were not sure of God. The psalmists and the Christians waiting and watching is based on the conviction that God is actively involved in his creation and vigorously at work in redemption. Back when I was worrying and 
reading everything I could find and watching the evening news, what I needed to hear someone say that I think I'm learning more and more is this. You are not in charge. God does not need you to be in charge. He's got it taken care of. You can relax and let him go ahead and be God. Don't just wait for good news from the television or your phone. Wait on God. Hope in his word. And this is for all parts of our day. It's, it's for when we're, when we're spending time with God, when we're in the spiritual disciplines, or, or when we are in the checkout line. That thing that happens in us that goes, I, 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 I got I I I to go quickly. I hope that all of us, there would be something that would, we would remember Psalm 130 and then we would say, you know, no, I, I don't. I just have to wait for God. More than I wait for that thing that I think I need. I just have to wait for God, don't I? We can wait and we can trust in God's loyal love. And as we turn our attention now to the communion elements, we remember that night when Jesus was to experience the betrayal of one of his closest friends. And instead of fighting it or running away, he trusted in God. He took bread. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. Would you please pray with me? So Lord Jesus, we come to you desiring to trust in you more each day, desiring to say more than anything, more than we wait for anything, Lord, we want to wait for you. Because with you, there is redemption. In you, we find hope. And we can trust in your loyal love to never forsake us. We pray in your name. Amen.